and welcome back to Unicorns and Hand Grenades, everyone. My name's Jax, and my co-host Kim and I are wrapped that you've chosen to join us in this series of real and raw conversations that we'll be having with each other and our guests, where we explore the nature of being human and embracing life in all of its brutal magnificence. We hope you enjoy this ride as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. So let's get into the conversation. And once again, I'm joined today by my co-host, Kim. Hey, Kim, how are you? Hey, good. Thanks, Jax. Excellent. And we are really excited and lucky to have them around the microphone with us today, the one and only Mary Paddock-Stanland. Welcome, Mary. Kia ora, you two. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Kia ora. It's so great to have you with us. And I'm going to do that really awkward introduction that I get to do while you're sitting here listening to me say these wonderful things about you. So I hope you've brought your A game. Yeah? (laughs) So do I, actually. (laughs) Always. Now, for those of you listening that don't know Mary, and I know that many of you will, Mary is a keynote speaker. She is an MC, a champion for diversity and inclusion within New Zealand and throughout the world. She is an advocate for the transgender community, an ambassador for Lifeline, a board member, and she is essentially one epic human and probably the person that I know that is the most authentic person ever. And Mary and I met probably some eight years ago as I was working on a promotion that was a music event that included taking a bunch of people across uh, to Fiji, to Blue Sky. It's all coming back to me now. And I'm standing at the check-in counter. I was responsible for the theme flight and the party vibe. And I just hear behind me this voice and this laugh. And I turn around and there she is. So that's how I that's how I met Mary. And Mary, what we would love for you to kick us off with is just a little bit, a little bit about you. So What would you say to people if you were to start the sentence off, if you really knew me, you'd know, dot, dot, dot. Flight attendants, go to your doors. Civil aviation rules require you to comply with all crew instructions and lighted signs while aboard this aircraft. To prepare for takeoff, you must now ensure your tray table is stowed, your seat is upright, your arm rests lodge and the window shade is open shortly we're about to explain the safety features for this aircraft it is important you pay attention even if you fly with us often flight <laughs> attendants go to your safety briefing positions <laughs> okay i officially decree actually you've officially decreed this conversation <laughs> is ready for takeoff um listeners it's ready I, for takeoff yeah it's ready for takeoff i suggest that you have your seatbelts fully fastened now mary Let's start off with, we talk a lot within our podcast around the unicorn moments and the hand grenade moments in life, and it would be fair to say that in your time on orbiting this planet, you have lived more life than most in your years. And can you share with us what have been some of the most impactful hand grenade moments that have played a part in forging you, the character that you are that sits before us now today? Yeah, um, you know, I think my hand grenade moments would have been before I even landed on the planet. Um, My mum was pregnant with myself and my twin brother 
um, in the early 80s and, and probably a time where actually there was not a lot of education or understanding about what gender dysphoria looked like and how trans was going to be for this child, this baby. Um, and as life has evolved um, to be where I am today, I suppose, you know, I, I've made some bad choices. I've dealt with some demons. It's resulted in loss of love and work and whatnot. But related to my struggle, to my struggles, um, has been acceptance by others and acceptance of myself, really, um, and attempting to probably portray the image that I've built up over the years to be who I am today. So um, hand grenades, there have been many, and and I, I, I don't even know where to begin to start, I suppose. <laughs> well, that was actually a really good start, and I think setting the scene uh, for our listeners. And it's really interesting because across all of our conversations, there's always a theme that is woven through. And the theme is that within adversity, mm. that's when we really come into ourselves. And it's really interesting. I was listening to you say that through your journey, you made some bad choices and you lost some work. And, and that's actually just part of the journey because I mm. think a really key part of forging our way through adversity is actually being okay and kind and compassionate to ourselves when we fuck up on the journey. Because we're learning to step into who we are as people. Yeah, I would say that's the case. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that I would not be who I am with what I have today if it hadn't been for the adversity I faced. And I talk about this, you know this, I'm a, I speak a lot uh, to organisations and, and to groups about my life, which I, I know I've said this to you before. I don't know why people are that interested because I don't think it's that exciting. But, the, <laughs> but you know, born born in Taranaki, if I set the scene back even further to, to who and where and why, um, born in Taranaki in the early 80s with a twin brother, I was the youngest of six. So they, my brothers and sisters were much older than me. Um, and I have a massive family, 14 nephews, eight nieces, three great nephews, three great nieces. I'm really old or feel really old. Uh, and and child, my childhood was really tough. So I suppose I began to understand how to get a backbone and how to have thick skin because my father was so brutal toward me mm. and emotionally and physically and mentally. And so from the age of sort of four or five, I began to understand that this was, this is me. And, and and rightly or wrongly, I have to face the world with who, you know, a father figure should always be a support or a, or a nurturer or a carer. And I didn't have that. So I suppose, I mean, I definitely have that in my mother. Um, but in my father, so, so that kind of propelled me, prepared me, uh, had me, uh, mentally set to go, well, if I can get through this, if I can deal with this. And if I think of my five-year-old and six-year-old and seven-year-old self, my goodness, I would have, you know, a very strong-willed and very prepared to just get through what I needed to, put up with what I needed to from my father to get through to last another day because it was at times in my childhood very much like that from one day to the next. Yeah, and that that 
growing of the thick skin, what I'm hearing is our self-protection mechanism that helped you move through what you were dealing with at the time. And one of the themes that weaves through most of the conversations that we have is almost the, in dealing with the trauma, the unshedding of the thick skin, right? Because resilience is something that we have to have to move through times of adversity. And then as we start to grow into ourselves and start to think about shedding the light for others, then it becomes about how do we take some of that thick skin away and get our vulnerability out there? Because I would imagine the first time you shared your story in its fullness, that must have taken some real vulnerability and courage. What's been the key for you in acknowledging your resilience, acknowledging your trauma, but then moving into that place of vulnerability so you can help others in sharing your story? Uh, The baseline that underpins everything that I have done is, well, particularly more so in the last 15 years, has been about being honest. Because in order for me to shine honesty to others in my sharing, I have to shine it to myself. You know, we have a mirror. We have several mirrors in this house. Uh, (laughs) And we have a mirror at the end of what I call the runway. I know you shared the photo of me getting dressed to go to the supermarket in the ball gown. But behind that picture is a mirror, a full step mirror that I look at every day. I walk down the stairs to walk out the door. And that could be to walk out to go for a walk. That could be to you know, head to the airport on my weekly routine, that could be going to the office or going out to, you know, I look at that and I never think for a moment that the person that's looking back at me would not have the warts and all, although, you know, I do get a lot of things done to the upper part of my head to ensure (laughs) I don't look as old as I do, as I am, but um, which I'm happy to share and I do on my my platforms. But um, that this character, this person, this being, Without, if I hadn't have released the, the demons, I suppose, on the inner side of me from the trauma I went through, because the you know the body never forgets the trauma. I think I've tried my head. I've tried to allow for my head to forget. Um, if I but if I hadn't have released that, I wouldn't be where I am today. I yeah. wouldn't have what I have with relationships. I wouldn't, and you know, no one is perfect. I still have issues with with lots of things, as we all do. But I, I, I would like to think that because of what I've been through, I have allowed myself and set and the truth has set me free. I said that after I did my third degree interview, coming up to talk about what was so public back in the in the early 2000s in my career at the time. To to set the truth free and it really did help me. It you know, I I I I look back thinking, why did I not tell the truth sooner? But it just took, I needed to take the time. I needed to find that time and that and, and navigate that journey myself, which I did with the support of my husband and those closest to me. So um, I, I find it very difficult when I speak to speak the first five minutes. Um, I have no problem speaking in front of an audience. In fact, I much prefer it speaking to hundreds than to, than actually talking to you two right now, I find quite intimidating, which is really hundreds odd, isn't listening it? if that helps. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, there is, but just Imagine right here, not. right now. Yeah. Um, whereas most people I know, the thought of getting in front of an audience of hundreds, yes. uh, thousands is really overwhelming, but I, I actually am right at home in that space because I yeah. think uh, um, I've always probably been a bit of a show-off and a bit of a <laughs> shine the light on me all the time as a kid yeah. too. 
Um, so, so I totally lost my train of thought as, as to where I was going, but, but, but I think the, the baseline for me is the truth has set me free and allowed me to be this person, this character in the world, which uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and I think you said, Mary, when you were talking about coming down at the end of the steps, looking at the mirror, you talked about seeing this being. And I'm listening to you. It, it's To me, it feels like you've shed the, or you've separated the identity, you've dealt with what happened, and now you've fallen into this place where you just are you, the you that sits mm. beyond everything that happened to you before. And also acknowledging you, because it is, I think, when I'm hearing you talk about getting up and speaking in front of tons of people versus feeling, you know, a little intimidated in a conversation this way, these conversations, it's really interesting. It's um, it's intimate and it's outside our comfort zone because I've spoken in front of lots of people as well and as part of my role before, that's what I did. And it is, it's like you step into the zone. You're authentically you, but you step into the zone and it's just like camera action. And so, yeah, just to acknowledge you for stepping into this intimate conversation, even though there's hundreds listening, thank you for doing that because it is a different feel and it does feel more vulnerable, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, I, I you know, I say being just on that. I say being because that is who I am. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I'm being defined uh, by the... Um, by what the world makes up that I should be. I did a magazine interview recently and they asked me, while I love my life and I I 100% stand in my truth and who I am and how I want to be seen and I'm unapologetic about that, as you well know, Jax, in that would I, and the journalist said to me, um, would you come back and be you again if you had the chance? And I would never want to do that because of the pain and the and the heartbreak and the nastiness and the adversity and all the things that have been stacked up against me from right from a three and a half year old, I wouldn't want to do that again. But having said that, the flip side to that is I do have an amazing life and I love it. But isn't that weird? It's, it's not weird, but I, I suppose, um, yeah, I, I have reflected on that question actually. And uh, yeah, anyway. Has the reflection changed the answer at all for you? No, I no, it hasn't. But perhaps I was a little bit harder on myself, but um, than I needed to be at the time. But you know, we all live in mo- we all live in moments. Yeah, we are hard on ourselves. Absolutely, Kim, you're nodding away there. Kim, Kim and I know how easy it is to be hard on ourselves. Oh, absolutely, and I, you know, as I was listening to you speak the whole piece of acceptance of self and that being really honest with, you know, and facing up to the parts of ourselves that sometimes we would rather not see, you know, is definitely something that Jackie and I um, have experienced through our journeys. And I think, you know, that radical acceptance of self really does come from looking at all of it um, and accepting that and growing to love that. But it, you know, it, do, it comes at a cost, doesn't it? And, you know, when some of our listeners um, you know, perhaps haven't experienced the hand grenade moments or are yet to, or maybe are fortunate enough not to. Um, but, you know, that growth often comes at a cost. And one of the questions that I have for you is if you were speaking to someone 
who was maybe about to step into their truth or hadn't quite connected with their true or authentic self, what would you say to that person teetering on the edge of doing something? Um, well, I think ultimately you have to do what makes you happy. I know that sounds incredibly cliche, but it's just the truth. Um, you have to do what fulfills you and completes you and makes you feel validated and heard and seen in the world. You know, I think so many people navigate their way through life. I see it and hear it all the time in boardrooms and in organizations. And I just think, oh my God, darling, you're in the wrong job. Um, but you stay there and you do this because you feel that this is your place. And I think that's what I've learned so much my public life and my professional life is that actually I want to get into doing more board work. So I, I, and how I find the time, I have no idea, but I just do because I think um, that's going to, that fills my bucket. I remembered what I was saying before about speaking. I think the energy that it takes to get up and speak, I actually also feed off the energy from the room and it refills my cup and my bucket, which is so weird because it's an energy, complete energy, drainer to get up there because you know I have to spend four hours getting ready because I don't wake up looking amazing unfortunately <laughs> um so so then to get on the stage to do what I need to do then come off but that that that, that energy is so centric to me being me um and and back to your question Kim I think you know to ensure you are being completely your feet are on the earth on the ground and you're and you're feeding off the energy of the ground mm-hmm. You cannot do that and take what the energy of the ground and the earth and the universe wants to give you if you aren't being true to that piece of the puzzle. And so for me to switch up when I talk to, and I often get approached by folk who have got whānau transitioning from boy to girl, girl to boy, I often get people like literally coming up to me and engaging with me in a corridor, or I get people reaching out to me on my socials to talk to me. And it's a really interesting conversation because my journey is mine. And and I say that when I speak, I can't, I'm not a specialist. I'm not a medical practitioner. I don't have a PhD. This is my life. (laughs) This is my journey. And I can't replicate that for you. But what I know for sure is that if you are with a child or a person or a being, and even if you're in your 60s, I have a breakfast on the weekend with someone who's a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who has transitioned at 57 years old. Wow. Um, that that they feel an incredible pull to want to talk to me, not about just the Mary, the, per, the, you know, the brand, but Mary, me, the person, that they want to know how to step into wearing female clothes to work, I would never think for a moment that's a thing for me. It's just not. But it's finding, it's it's encouraging and, and, and coaching and advising and educating. Um, it's, yeah, that's probably, yeah, that, I don't know whether that's completely answered your question, but I, I think it's just um, what, what holds people back from being their true selves and their potential in being is is often in my experience, truth. And isn't this a beautiful thing that by sharing your story, stepping out and being your true authentic self, that you're lighting the way for others to do the same. And 
you know, being there, being someone that they can speak to, being someone they can look to um, and just saying it's okay to, you just need to be who you want to be. And it's such a neat thing as we're all trying to do through our conversations, you know, just to make it okay to step out and be who you want to be and be happy, live your life. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I, I, I try not to get too caught up because it's very emotionally draining for me to be a part of lots of conversations. And, I mean, I suppose that's come over time with me being a bit of an advocate and a spokesperson and when something, when shit hits the fan in the media, the first thing they do is call me um, because they know I'm a disruptor and I'm not afraid to say what I think because that is often what people want to say but don't have the vessel or the channels like I do. Um, But... I forget how the impacts I, I forget the impacts I make. I forget how that is. It's not until I'm confronted with, um, for example, a former prime minister of New Zealand who sat on the plane with me yesterday and actually said, hi, you're Mary, aren't you? And I've only met, I'd only met him two or three times. And it was because he'd read a story on me recently. And, And I suppose you just forget those little aha moments that I have because it's never been about that for me. It has just been about me sharing and using what I've been through to help others. Um, And when I sit and think about it too much, I get really emotional about it because I never had had a Mary in my life and neither did my mother. And so we've had to do this, you know, we've had to do that right before the old influencer thing and the old Bluetooth on the Facebook thing. We had to do all this shit without anyone really knowing. I mean, a psychiatrist that I visited at six years old at Wakata Hospital told my mother in front of me that they should send me away. And, you know, that, that is the advice my mother received in the 80s. And so I wanted, I want to change the world and make it a better place for everybody. Yeah. But I, but I, but I, but I, but I do what I can. Yeah, there's so much in that. And if we step back to the energy piece, it's really interesting when I hear you describe being up on stage, and this is what I love about the humanness and the connection that we have when we step outside of just thinking about ourselves. There's almost a heaviness. I hear almost a heaviness in giving the energy to others but you're receiving a gift of energy back. Like that's pure human connection, right? This exchange mm. to make an impact at a deeper level. And you you do shed light for people. You know, I think it's really important to acknowledge that you shed light for people who are in the dark. And, you know, Kim and I look at it in, in terms of sharing our stories. It's, you know, if someone can see that someone's been through something, then it helps them know that they can get out the other side. And the other thing I wanted to explore with you a little is lifeline. So I think when we've been through our journeys and we've had our, I refer to mine as my before shattering moment and my after shattering moment. And as shitty as they are, you know, you have the grace to look at them all as a gift. It then becomes about giving back. And so I've actually just started in the process of becoming a volunteer lifeline counsellor. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did not know that. I did. Only, yeah, I just um, went in and met with Anne a couple of weeks ago. And so kicking off that process, because it is, it's about, I think we get to a place when we're put, 
you know, whether you believe we have multiple incarnations on this planet to, to experience our stuff and then to give stuff and each time it's different or whatever you believe that is, there becomes a point in time when it becomes about something other than ourselves. So I'm really keen, if you're happy um, to share, to learn what was your draw to Lifeline as an ambassador for them? What was the thing that connected you? Because they're such an impactful organisation. And for anyone listening, they're a volunteer organisation. So if you can help out in terms of bringing your skill set to the other end of the phone or financially, then please them up but yeah how did you get involved with them I um lifeline was a lifeline for me at the end of something that was just so incredibly uh traumatic and life-defining um I we all do things when we're young that we regret hell yes we all act um, in in ways that you know are wrong. In that time, I had reached out to Lifeline uh, because I was not okay, and I could have easily have not been. And uh, began a very therapeutic, um, caring partnership with them as a as a caller to the to the line over a period of time. And lots of soul searching. That was many, many years ago now, but lots of soul searching. And um, I was approached by them a couple of years ago to be a part of a campaign. Um, and, and it just grew from there, really, in a really organic way. And I'm so proud to be partnered and to be connected with an organisation that is doing so much good. Yeah. Um, they could do so much more with more funding and they could yeah. do so much more with more people helping them. So um, that's pretty special that you've put your hat in the ring to do that for an organisation I'm really, really passionate about. I 2021 will unveil a whole heap of stuff that I'm working with them on and I'm just so excited with a couple of other of their, there are only three of us that are ambassadors for the organisation to to shine a light bright on what they do and how they support people because they definitely did that to me. And I, I can hand on my heart say that if it hadn't have been for the um, way they so delicately um, cared for, managed our partnership, I probably wouldn't be here with you today. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Such a special organisation, right? Um, I just think of it as a real privilege to be able to be the person on the other end of the phone who can hold the space for someone to to share whatever it is that they're going through. Kim, what's coming up for you? Gosh, that's just so powerful. Um, and we're really fortunate that we have these organisations in our country and people have the opportunity that they can reach out for them. I don't, I feel like there is a lot more that needs to be done. And I will, you know, I'm going to consider that too, I think, Jackie. Oh, awesome. Because it's just, you know, when people aren't sure and the hand grenades are going off and we don't know where to turn and we perhaps don't have the family or friend support as well that. Um, we can turn to, you know, that's such a valuable organisation. So um, I feel really privileged that we're able to hold space for your story 
Mary, and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna, I think, take up that mantle as well, Jax, because I think that it's just such a an important thing to do. Yeah, and that's it's definitely, I think, that involvement of our own journey through trauma that has us thinking about how we can help people on the other side of it. And I see that as a huge gift. Um, and keen to explore too, Mary, social media. We had Cassie, we did an episode with Cassie Roma. Mm, four or five I love episodes. Cassie. Yeah, she's she's ran into her, she walked into the hotel yesterday and I was walking out. And we oh, that's right. We've been there for such a long time. So it was lovely to see her. She's, she's a powerhouse. She is a powerhouse. Her and Carly were down in Wellington for the day. She was posting pictures of being on a plane and being really excited about traveling again, which I totally get. Um, it's yes. the small things, right? Being able to get on a plane and move around your own country. Um, but that social media is a double-edged sword, right? Because yes. you use it for good and you use it to influence good and you use it to get these really important messages out there. And in doing that, you're exposing yourself on a different forum and uh, yeah, I would imagine you have to have a fair amount of thick skin around that, especially when you're telling the truth, like you tell the truth. Um, what are your observations around what you've experienced on social media? Well, I think it's at this point that it's important to recognise that I don't see myself as an influencer. I don't no, see myself as a, as, a, as a celebrity. I never have, never will. I don't see myself as someone that... Uh, influences, although that has by nature of me being me because it's content that people want to see and share, yeah. which, by the way, I very really do these days because I just don't have the time, but I do yeah. when I need to. I have had a mixed love-hate relationship <laughs> the world wide web. Yeah. It would be safe to say that at times I've wanted to take my laptop outside and throw it into the bushes. <laughs> it would be safe to say that I've wanted to jump through my Twitter account to the person at the other end and tell them what I think of them to their face. Uh, it would be it would be safe to say that I have to also used social media to elevate things and um, initiatives that I am passionate about. So yeah. you are right. It does come with a double-edged sword. I love the mute button and I love the block button even more. <laughs> uh, wouldn't so, it be great if it came with a sound effect? <laughs> oh, God, just wouldn't it? Some people just fuck me <laughs> yeah. Um And, you know, I definitely, in my head, um, LinkedIn, is for professional, Facebook is for fabulous, Instagram is for images, and Twitter is for talking. Oh, I love and that. And that's kind of the mantra I have in my head yeah. um, and stick to that. Again, yeah, love, hate, but I have never been able to figure, well, two things that come to mind. One, someone will see me out and tweet me to say I looked Either one or two things, I looked fabulous or I looked uh, terrible. <laughs> or secondly, 
they will be in the room as me and I won't know that they're there because often I don't know who follows me. People follow yeah. me. I don't follow people. Yeah. Well, I do, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so they will then message me having seen me but not come up to me <laughs> like I'm that, you know, surrounded by bodyguards <laughs> and so unapproachable. Not. They will tell me that they've seen me. Yeah. But they will come and see me next time or they will come and say hello next time. It's like, I just don't understand that. I've never been able to do that. And the third thing that's just popped into my head, people, when they do have the courage to come and say hello, will say, oh, my God, you really are pretty in real life. (laughs) Like, talk about (laughs) self-conscious. And that could be in the Kuru Lounge at 6 o'clock in the morning, on the plane, (laughs) in a bar, walking past them in the street. Like, I could just not imagine ever saying that to somebody. By the way, you look great and like who would have in their right mind to do that? But people do. Yeah. People honestly do. I find it just so odd. So that is the world that I've created. Again, you know, it's the word I've created for myself with over, well, actually it's around about 100,000 followers across all my channels. But I I don't, I try not to take it seriously and you will know that I do on the odd occasion (laughs) rant on my personal channels about how much I think people are, fuckwits but um yeah it is what it is I think it totally is and I think that was a really good distinction that you gave around not being an influencer but having you know you've got important content to put out into the world we use Facebook and Instagram to push our content out via different vehicles and maybe reach someone else a different way that we can bring into the conversation and that's a really important distinction and what I'm hearing is that it's almost like social media gives people a right to turn off their filter <laughs> to anonymously sit behind the keyboard and stalk like we all know. But that description of someone being in a room with you, connecting via social and not personally, I guess maybe that's just some people's bravery shield. I don't know. That's really random. I've not heard of that before. Um, but when you were talking the same I think it thing. is. I think I think it might be like sorry to cut you off. I think it no. might be that yeah. you know, I'm, I'm you know, maybe I my husband says to well he says to me all the time, you, you are quite intimidating. I'm like, well, if you don't know me, you probably would think that. But I wouldn't have ever imagined that I would be unapproachable. Um, but then again, you know, the other end of the scale is at one o'clock in the morning and you're in the viaduct, it's a whole other situation. So <laughs> So, so it's I don't know whether or not I prefer to be ignored or just left to get go and do what I want to do on a, on a night out, which, by the way, doesn't happen anywhere near as often as it used to because I just cannot be bothered these days. No, no, uh, no, on the couch by 10 o'clock cuddling the cat. Correct. Like, is yeah. the way that you live it up, live it up large. Um, Kim? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting eh, with social media, you know. It is like the bravery filter and just people if people are being a negative or disparaging, I always think, you know, that really just has a lot more to do with them than it does you. Right. So people are speaking from their own perspective and it's usually one of insecurity or self-consciousness or low self-esteem, but it's so painful. You know, it's, it's awful. And, you know, I'm not surprised. I would imagine that with the advent of social media, you know, agencies like Lifeline are actually being engaged a whole lot more because it's inescapable and people get this keyboard courage and they will say things that they would not say to you to your face. And Mm. it can be really damaging. Um, And, you know, if you don't have a thick skin, which a lot of people don't, 
um, can really shape their sense of self. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it just surprises me on the daily what people will say. If they're not going to say it to your face, why on earth are you going to say it on a comment or on Twitter or on, on Instagram? It's just yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And as Michelle Obama says, they go low, we go high. And I do try to do that as much as possible. I will I will get I, I will get in a little bit of it. I mean, if if I really want to polarize and I go out to town, I'll I'll use the old uh Twitter. And and uh I I, I used to be a prolific tweeter, but I, I won't engage too much with someone who's gonna do a tit for tat because it's really mm. pointless. Because often it's a you know, I'm at Mary Head's stand on everything, but they are at with like 20 letters and two numbers. So it's obviously, a, it could be a bot or a fake account. And often people sit behind the shield of a fake account. And, mm-hmm. and to me, as you say, Kim, it is so much more about who they are. What has triggered them for them to be disingenuine or to be a dick? Yeah. And I always just say, there are so many dicks in the world <laughs> um, that, that frankly, I just really, I can only deal with one at a time. <laughs> Um, so, well said, Mary. Quite, well said. quite literally. Uh, but anyway, that's right. And you know, we're too busy doing us to worry about. To re- yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I reckon, yeah. I reckon, if we could just take one life rule, people, if we forget about all the good golden light stuff in this world, and we can just not be a dick. Just don't be a dick. If that's the only life rule you follow, start with that as a foundation then, man, that would make the world a hell of a better place, I reckon. Do you know Playboy this week have announced via their chief people officer in America that they will be launching a don't be an asshole at work policy? And I am just about it. Like, (laughs) diversity and inclusion in the workplace, honey, I am with you right there, a hundred. If I could take that policy into organizations i could think of about 50 right here right now that would that would do it i just love their stance yeah uh and i have actually tweeted her to say i'm so there i love this policy um with a view that potentially she may send it to me so i can have a nose be but yeah don't be an asshole at work policy brought to you by playboy just thought i might mention that oh that's awesome yeah that's a gold one don't be an asshole don't be a dick Work. And I think yeah. also the other thing, the other thing that keeps me up at night on the odd occasion is, you know, the reason people are like this, whether that's face-to-face or online or what have you, is people are institutionalised in the way they think today. Yeah. And the world that is was back then is now no longer. Mm. And so you kind of feel sorry for them too because actually you're so ill-informed and you're so uneducated about a topic you often don't know a thing about, but, you know, those stuff and Herald and all those websites that you see the comments, eh? Mm -hmm. I just cringe every time I'm on one of those things because I just, I don't even look at them now because um, recently it was International Pronouns Day and I did a few articles around the place. And, yeah, people tag me in them and I'm just like, don't please don't do that because (laughs) I really don't give a shit what the... David Thomas Turner Tomkin and Eckhart Hoonis thinks of me, really. <laughs> oh, God, I love that. Hey, on a brighter note, unicorn moments. Yeah. The photo that we put up on our Facebook and Instagram of you in your full ball gown regalia <laughs> with your heels and, and your legs. And might I say that I have huge leg envy, Mary. If I could have legs like yours, 
man, the things I could do in this world as a um, oh my goodness. single woman. Your legs are amazing. Uh, but can you, because you hunt out life's like, you've been through some deep trauma, you've done some amazing healing, you shine the light for other people, you're big-hearted, you're no bullshit. But I also know that, man, you chase unicorn moments. Um, and, I, and I think that football gown supermarket moment was one of those unicorn moments where you're just trying to bring the unicorn and the light to other people. Can you talk us through, A, what was going on in your head that made you do that? And then what happened while you were doing it? Oh, you know, we were meant to be going to a charity ball that night, uh, my husband and I, for his work. And so that gown was, um, and in, in, this is where, where I'm talking to you, is my office slash glam room. So it was in this wardrobe behind me and it had come back from the dry cleaners. We, I picked up all my dry cleaning before COVID, chucked it in there, and then it came up as a calendar alert on his phone in the morning. And I was like, oh, that's right, the dresses. And I hadn't worn the dress in a long time. So I just, I had had a guts full of being in, well, I had tried to during level four of COVID-19 from top up, you know, do brush my hair and do my makeup. and But I had no one doing my brows. I had no Botox. I had to wash my own hair. I had to peel off nails because I couldn't get to a nail bar. So I was trying my best to keep up appearances because I was doing a lot on social at the time with hashtag life with Mary. And then I, uh, so I just put the dress on and started parading around the house. My husband thought like, here we go again. He's saying, what are you doing? (laughs) He thought I was just going to go down at the end of a very long driveway, go down to the end of the drive. Uh, And I had said, well, actually, we need to get some things from the supermarket and it's my turn. We took turns going to the supermarket. Uh, well, that's a lie, actually. He, he, I went twice out of the whole of level four and he went, went the rest of the time. <laughs> and, uh, and then I said, well, I'm going to go to the supermarket like this. <laughs> well, if looks could be so, we have quite a large dining room table. He was at mm. the other end of it and he was dead keen set on the idea of me being cuckoo, cuckoo, la la. <laughs> I said, no, I'm going to. I'm going to go up and do a full face. I'm going to shave my legs because they were a bit spiky. And they're very long. And they're very long. Uh, and uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And uh, he, he, and I said, actually, I want you to take a photo. I want to take a few photos because yeah. he, there was no way he was coming to the supermarket with me. He just could not put himself through that. So he didn't. And so I had a photo at the front of the house and in the stairwell and at the front door and went to the supermarket and had the best hour at the supermarket <laughs> I've ever had. I was in the queue for what seemed like five minutes. I had more selfies than Alan would have in a show before she went live to air. I had so many random conversations and it was queue, social distance, mask yeah. wearing at that stage and uh, had so much fun. I had an older gentleman come up to me and say, you look fantastic, but you're too bloody tall for me. <laughs> I had um, uh, a, a Pacific, I think she was someone, woman come up and, and we got into trouble by security because we had to social distance because she wanted to have a selfie with me. Um, yeah, I just, I loved it. And I actually, my feet were so fucking sore. I had to take them off in the car. I couldn't even drive with them on. They were high uh, heels. They were high stilettos and never worn them since. <laughs> and 
Uh, I, I would I do it again? Maybe not. It was a bit mm. silly. If, if, if I did, I'd be wearing a loafer underneath so no one could see that I wasn't in a heel. But I, I loved it. I loved being able to um, put a spring in the step of others and yeah. make other people smile in what was a horrific time. I mean, we were right in the middle of level four. Um, and was it level four? No, sorry. I think it was level three. Sorry. I take that back. It was level three. Yeah. But uh, just so much fun. Just so much fun. I loved it. And in fact, actually, when I got home, I unpacked, I did a little live, um, which ended up at the News Hub newsroom. And they asked me whether or not I would do an interview with them. And I was horrified at the thought that it had reached mainstream. And I said, thank you, but no, thank you. I don't think my husband would like that. One <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was fun. That's gold. That's a travesty. Those heels haven't been worn again. But looking at the height of them, I am not surprised at all that you only wore them once around the supermarket, never again. Did you have any instances of gown getting trapped in the trolley wheels? Because that was oh, quite yes. a low gown that with was, overhang. That was a long gown with a train, <laughs> and I thought I was trying to be Jennifer Lopez on a stage. Yeah, it got caught in shoes. It actually got at one stage. I thought Christchurch. It got caught at the corner of the. Um, I was going to get oranges, and it got caught in the in the wooden part of the. Oh Christ! Honestly, if that had all come undone, it would have been quite a sight. So, uh, and in fact, actually, I did get tagged a few times, which I didn't reshare. Oh, did I reshare? I can't remember now. An uh, Instagram from people wondering. They thought it was, and actually, a couple of people thought it was a promotion. They thought that I was there promoting something called with a company. I'm like, no, darling, this is just how I go to supermarket. This is just how Mary rolls when she wants to bring a smile to people's face. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because it, I think it was at the beginning of our conversation you talked about life being in moments. And I think it's been a terribly heavy year for a lot of people. But there's still, in any given moment, you can choose playfulness and fun. You can create a little sense of joy. It doesn't have to be something, you know, it can, it can be something as incredible as wearing a fabulous gown to the supermarket or, you know, something else. and. So we can't forget that and the heaviness of things that go on, that there are still these beautiful little moments and we can choose at any given time. Yeah, I mean, you know, these are apps that you can dance to and sing along to and make fun. I mean, I, Jax, you'll know, I've recorded many videos over the years from my living room dancing around trying to pretend that I'm actually Tina Turner and I'm mm-hmm. not. I think having fun and living life with a with a twist and an edge, yes, there's a lot of seriousness and, yes, it's been a hell of a year but the silver linings for me is also connectedness. You know, I've connected with people via the Zoom hooey, the Zooies, and the and the drunken chats with friends mm. more in the last six months that live outside of New Zealand than I have ever before because we were forced to. And um, I love not being on planes. I loved being at home with my new kittens. Mm. Um, I loved being at home with husband. Um, and I and I and I think there can be also great moments made from adversity too, like you say. And I think it's important to not take life too seriously. I really do. I think it's important to, in your genuineness and your authenticity, to just always remember that laugh. You know, always smile at a stranger is my catchphrase that yeah. I share at the end of every event I MC or speak at. And um, laughter is really truly the best medicine. Yeah, I totally agree. And you want to know my favourite rendition of yours? <laughs> Beyonce's oh. Love on Top. 
Oh that my god! Time one, you rock that one. Yeah, totally well, that's safe it. to say we're not going to do that here. So you just <laughs> no, keep that not. as a memory, because and anyone is... listening can just worry about that in another stratosphere. Because this is an audio platform. However, were it a video platform, then absolutely, I'd be getting you up doing that rendition because that was so much fun. And I, I totally, I'm a total believer in playfulness and joy and inner joy bubbling up no matter what. And I think in our first or second episode, Kim talked about, you know, joking with her mum that was dying about going into labour early. Like even in the darkest of moments, there's humour. And hearing you speak, Mary, what came up for me was you talked about the great things that have come out of the past six months, so connecting more with people um, outside of New Zealand and the connection with your friends via the Zoom hooies, being at home with your cats and your husband, which clearly goes without saying, if we were to just click our fingers and be back in the world like it was before, what are the top three things that you've learned over the la- this last three months that you would take with you into that world that was like it was before? Um, be calm. Yeah. Mm. Be calm, number one. Um, number two probably listen more. Um, I just did that so much in the levels and during COVID because uh, there was not a lot of noise. So being calm and listening. And a third one, probably just to be a little bit kinder on me. You know, I think, I think um, as I said earlier, I, I can be pretty tough on myself. You know, the secret to doing magazine stories is you always ask for the copy before it's printed to make sure that there's a sensor check and that you've got another lens over it before it goes up to the to the ether. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, be calm, listen, and, and and don't be so hard on myself. Don't, I'm not, I don't need to be perfect. No. I don't need to be, um, and, and, I, and, and I'm going to add another one, and I know there's only three. But, oh, you can add um, as many as you like. And, and learn to say no. You know, I think I I I, re- I know you tell me that all the time. I do. Um, but I I and not be I don't feel guilty about it, and I don't need to give an explanation. Yeah. Um, because being me isn't easy, and uh, I always find it really difficult when people say, "Oh, I know how you feel. Oh, it must be hard." No, you fucking don't know how it feels, because unless you were born a boy and you now live as a woman in the world, when the world says that actually I shouldn't be me most of the time, mm. then you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that takes a lot of energy. So learning to say no has, because I'm a pleaser, I want the world to love me, but I know it does whether I'm there or not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some, be- yeah. There's some beautiful learning. So um, stay calm kindness to yourself first and foremost because only then I think you can be kind to others and listen so Kim and I listening's a big one too Kim and I are both coaches and so one of the things that you have to learn as a coach is just to shut up and listen and listen not just with your ears listen with everything listen with your intuition listen with the connection of energy listen to the words and just hold the space right and if 
any listeners are out there thinking, how can I listen better? Just observe yourself in a conversation. Because when you're not truly deeply listening, that will be the time that you think you need to fill gaps. And you fill gaps with things like, oh, that must feel terrible, right? Because you're not really genuinely just listening to a person explain their experience and then going, I hear you. Because we can never know what it's like because we never live each other's lives. So those, I think those are uh, four really powerful things that you've shared with people that I would actually suggest that they write down. And then once they've written them down, after we sign off, put some little dot points under each one, right? So what can I do to listen more to others and put some tangible things there? What can I do to be calmer and put some tangible things there? For me, I've pulled in, I've just come off the back of a meditation immersion with Claire Robbie and man, that was insane. But yeah, think about what does being kinder to myself look like? Um, and for you, that say, saying no is one of the kindest things we can do. But when we're pre-programmed to people, please, because we've been brought up our whole lives having to validate our existence, having to vie for the love of others, having to mm. put others above self to feel our worth, um, that's massive. Kudos for you to saying no, because I know that's been a big journey for you to protect yourself and your space. And I think it's also... Jack's about never losing faith, yeah. you know, and always being true to me. Listening has always been part of, you know, if I think back to my YouTube channel that I started, to my growing social channels, to my career, to my speaking, to whatever I'm doing, listening is so at the centre. But he tangata, he tangata, he tangata, as are people. And without that, that's really important and it's about truth it's about being true to yourself and true to those around you it's about rising above those that are in your way uh, and and rise above the attitudes and the comments and the biases and and I think actually just learning to re-love me uh, has been so truly vital to I never say I'm successful because I don't, I think I've got a lot more to do, but continuing to do what I do to educate and encourage others is just, it's at the center of me right yeah. now. Well, well, you know, it's at the center of me. Yeah. Yeah. At the center of your being, because that for anyone that hasn't done that learning to relove themselves, it sounds so romantic and they're probably thinking, you know, I'm just going to have a massage or do this or walk in the bush. But man, it's a bunch of deep, dirty, painful work, right, to get to the place. So whenever you hear someone say, I've learned to re-love myself, know that there's a truckload of work that's gone on then and it's a continuing, a continuing yeah. involvement of work. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't think I'm done with that. There's a lot of stuff still to do and there always will be because yeah. we evolve and we change and the world around us is doing that too. So feelings and situations and scenarios will always be confronted unless I'm going to live in a box at the bottom of the hill for the rest of my life, which ain't nobody got time for that. No, because there um, would be a glam closet that would fit in any <laughs> box that you could live in. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Funny you say that. I'm about to take on the third wardrobe in my house this weekend <laughs> because I'm one of the wardrobes in my in one of the bedrooms is starting to bend like that. Yeah. Um, Willie said to I me the other imagine. day, if that collapses, there's going to be a problem. Um, that I, Yeah, that I think that is just... In essence, what everyone wants, I, th I, I suppose it's how we get there in the journey. It's I yeah. suppose how the road we take 
all my brothers and sisters talk to me about this road that I've walked. And my brothers and sisters are constantly my, they're my biggest fans, my family. I'm so lucky to have them that they are um, proud and ambitious and want for me to be whoever I am in the world. Um, because they know the road that I've been on and still have to walk down to be Mary in the world is not a tar-sealed road. It's often rocky with potholes, but you just learn to navigate and slide along, move around, move under. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kim? Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, hearing you speak about your family um, and that connection, and I think that... Um, you know, when it all boils down to it, connection is the most important thing in life, isn't it? And mm. the people that are around us and the ones that cheer us on and the ones that love us unconditionally, um, if we're fortunate enough to have one of those people, we're really lucky. And if we are surrounded by them, then what else do we need? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, so true. Hey, and it's about building those, um, that's a powerful squad you've got behind you, Mary. Um, and they're lucky to have you in that squad with them and also walking your journey in front of them. And I think that's the beauty of these conversations is it helps everyone kind of figure out bits of their own journey because when they hear the stuff that's worked or ha hasn't or when they hear the connecting themes across everyone's journeys, they can take something from that and make it their own. And so for every time that you speak something that's hard to speak or is, is vulnerable to speak, that's a gift that we give for all of us when we do that. That's a gift we give. That's that energy exchange. And we might not get that energy back um, immediately, but it comes back in a different way because I think that also helps us um, re-love re ourselves. Yeah, such a beautiful way to put it. Such a beautiful way to put it. And for you, Mary, hand grenade, or not hand grenades, actually, unicorn moments. Hmm. What's important for you in terms of continuing to chase the unicorn moments? What do you have to have set up? Oh, look, I always want to make sure the why and the purpose to what I'm doing is yeah. on par with what I want in, in, intrinsically for me. Yeah. Um, I think the future's bright for me. I think yeah. I'm going to, what's in store for a new paradigm and a new way of being is exciting. I, 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 I give life a bloody good nudge and I don't stop because I don't want to. And, and actually I don't even need to often because I don't, but I do what I do and I want to carry on and I want to continue to um, be a, a, a vessel that people can use to enhance and change the way they think, the way they do, the way they are. Yeah. And so I think um, that is what th that is what I want to do and that is how I do what I do. I think, yeah, I think the future's bright and I'm always excited to see what's around the corner because I think that's, you know, evolving as humans, as beings, as, as, as whoever we are in the world. It's exciting because we never know what the future holds and what's around the corner could be quite you know quite fantastic and 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 um 
I don't often spend a lot of time looking over my shoulder. Yeah. Um, I think it's important, as thick as my glasses are, I push <laughs> them up onto my eyes. The frames are quite, det- they, they, the peripheral vision's terrible, but they look okay, so I wear them. But um, I, I just keep a focus on what's in front of me. I make sure the horizon's moving at the pace I need to, and I, and I and I and I want to actually of the 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 big family that sits under my wings and around me um, make them aware that the world is unique and interesting as are some of us in our family. So uh, that, that's that, that's what I that's what I want. Oh, that's great! I hear a really clear alignment for you around the fact that whatever the future holds, it just holds wide open possibilities. And we talk about this a lot, right? When we don't limit ourselves, we have this infinite space we can co-create with the universe, but it takes a degree of bravery to actually look at life that way, right? Because it means you're going to have to let go of something, uh, which is control, (laughs) to step into the wonderfulness that might be. So if you could say one thing to our listeners out there who might not be as brave in stepping into an unknown future with excitement, what would your tip be? Oh, my tip. Um, you know, inner strength. Yeah. Um, never lose hope. Um, you know, if, if you're in a situation or a scenario that does not fulfill you, that does not make you happy, that does not make you complete, then get out. Mm. whether that's a relationship, whether that's a friendship, whether that's a work situation, whether that's what, you know, we are on earth for a short time. And a parting finality for me would be that, yes, I think we, every single one of us in the world has a stage. Mm. Every single one of us. And yes, I know that mine is probably seen by many as being quite a large stage at times. Um, but we all have the ability to help shape and change the way others see the world, and we should use our stage every day for the greater good, whether yeah. that's the guy at the local dairy, whether that's the bus driver, whether that's your Uber driver, whether that's, you know, kindness and gratitude and caring and respect is just so vital. I think that that, that I, I keep on going off the park here with adding no. extra things. Awesome. But I... I, I I really do love the analogy I created all on myself, not even an Oprah or Brene Brown one. It's do, you know, use the stage that you stand on every day to help, you know, be the change. Oh, I love that. One conversation at a time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. One conversation at a time, one person at a time. If I can leave an event or, or a situation or even a meeting helping you know, I left two meetings yesterday and both of them mailed me straight away well, well, in a very short period of time saying that they'd looked at things differently. It's just help switch the dial, help turn the lights on, help do whatever the hell you need to in yeah. whatever lane you're in in the world. Um, yeah. I love it. Unleash your super power, whether it's a quiet one or a big one, and then go find your stage and your way to make an impact. That's a really good note to wind up on and before we because we wind up quite randomly every time um yes uh firstly hugely appreciate your time today it's been incredible your time your openness your vulnerability especially in understanding that these quiet conversations have a different feel for you so we hugely appreciate that and know our listeners will kim do you have any anything you want to check in with mary before we let her free 
um, world. First of all, thank you. It's been an absolute privilege. Um, and I think my parting thoughts are, one, don't be an asshole at work. That's quite a neat policy. <laughs> I think I might consider um, recommending as an HR practitioner. And then, you know, I just think, Keep chasing the moments of fun. Be playful. Life isn't to be taken too seriously. Um, that's a lens we all need to adopt, I think. Yeah, completely. And Mary, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? The one piece of advice I would give myself, if, uh, the younger me, would be not to let what others think of you control you um, to define who you are. Perfect. That's a good piece of advice. That's awesome. And so in rounding up our conversation, in the spirit <laughs> in the spirit that we started it off with, Mary, would you like to take us home? for this episode of Unicorns and Hand Grenades. Over to you and for everyone listening, after Mary's finished, we will see you in the podcast in the next episode. Take it away, Mary. Flight attendants, please be seated for landing. <laughs>